0: This episode of the RetroGasmic podcast is sponsored by the lovely people at My Vintage Existence. My Vintage Existence is a small US-based business specialising in the resale of vintage jewellery and accessories. When you visit their Etsy store, you'll find an array of jewellery including earrings, necklaces, brooches, bangles and bracelets. Women's pill hats and handbags are often as available as well. In the winter months of Northeast US, You can find the owner Maggie and her better half Terry setting up shop at car shows and rock and billy events in South Central Pennsylvania. If you're lucky enough to be travelling to Massachusetts in July for the third year of Viva East, be sure to stop by the My Vintage Existence booth and check out all of their sparkly goods. Go check them out at Facebook Vintage Existence. Instagram is my.vintage.existence and once again their XC shop My Vintage Existence, all one word, My Vintage Existence. Retrogasmic. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm your happy host, Dee Deluxe. Uh, You'll have to excuse my slightly croaky voice because we've just come back from... uh, Beach Hop, which for those of you that are outside of New Zealand, is uh, pretty much our major rock and roll festival. It's held over four or five days in a little friendly seaside town called Whangamata, which normally has a population of about eight people and a dog. And uh, over the four or five day period of the festival, there were 275,000 people there. Um, It is beautifully organised chaos. Um, There were... Thousands and thousands of hot rods, rat rods, custom cars, classics. Um, It's astonishing. Lots of people dress up. Um, The local community all, all get involved, which is fantastic. There was about 20 bands playing at various venues all over town. Uh, We played a couple of nights at a a new bar called the Smoky Pallet, which was fantastic. Thank you to those guys for looking after us. Uh, And uh, we played in the high street uh, under a big marquee. And then we played at the prize giving on the Sunday morning, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. Even though the weather did its very best to shower everybody out, um, we persevered. Some lucky person won a... Uh, Ford Galaxy, which was just stunning. A couple of other people won ten grand and a few other amazing prizes. It's a fantastic event. And we're really looking forward to uh, the 20th anniversary event next year. Ooh, I feel retrogasmic. So today's show is part two in our Style Icons of the 20th Century series. When I say series, it's only two episodes, but it sounds good. Um, we're looking at the guys today. We are going to look at men who uh, just by being cool, suave, debonair or just having something about them affected the way men thought about what they looked like, how they dressed, how they uh, presented themselves to the rest of the world. Rodolfo, Alfonso Raffaello Pierre Filibert Guglielmi di Valentina D'Antonguela. Thankfully, he was also known as Rudolf Valentino. Uh, He was an early pop icon and one of the very first male sex symbols of the 1920s, uh, known in Hollywood as the Latin lover or simply as Valentino. And his premature death at the age of 31 caused an absolute mass hysteria. He was a real, um, a real icon and probably the first real male sex symbol and style icon of the 20th century or in, or in popular media, full stop. Born in Italy in 1895, um, it, it sounds like he was one of those guys that was a bit molly coddled by his mum. I mean, he was a extremely good looking dude and, uh. I don't think his dad was very happy with the fact that he used to get everything just like dropped in his lap. And um, yeah, subsequently, he went on and didn't do very well at, in his education. And then he couldn't get a job. And then he moved to Paris for a while and couldn't get a job there. And eventually, after toing and throwing for a while, he ended up in New York. He supported himself in New York um doing gardening um waiting tables at a restaurant and he ended up uh as a dancer at uh, Maxims basically you know you buy a ticket and you get to dance with an attractive young man um he joined an operetta company and traveled around Utah and he did bits and pieces of acting, and it took a while before he got any um, movie roles. And, and early on, they were kind of uh, bit parts. His big, big break was in a movie in 1921 called The Shake, where he, uh, I mean, it fitted him perfectly. The Latin kind of good looks shone through, which was a bit weird for a, a, a shake part, but. Um, no one seemed to mind, and it instantly shot him to to stardom. He became a uh, a style and sex symbol pretty much overnight. He had a few arguments with the various studios he was signed to because some of the other actors and actresses were paid a lot more than he was. claimed that uh, Mary Pickford, who we mentioned in the last show, uh, was on $7,500 a week, and he was only on $1,250 a week. And it was quite a big fuss made about it. But unfortunately, the American public didn't really sympathize much because most of them were only earning a couple of thousand a year. Valentino died in 1926 at the age of 31 of peritonitis. And uh, this is pre-talkies. You know, we're still talking silent era films here. So there isn't really much um, of his voice, him speaking or singing recorded. But we have managed to find this. So have a listen. Recording of silent star Rudolph Valentino singing. He uh, apparently didn't think he had much of a voice, but sounds pretty good to me. Now, our next style archon needs no introduction.
1: What are you looking at back there? Huh?
2: Some of y'all never been down south too much. I'm gonna tell you a little story so that you'll understand what I'm talking about. Down there we have a plant that grows out in the woods and the fields. And it looks something like a turnip green. And everybody calls it poke salad. And that's poke salad. Anyway, I used to know a girl lived down there. She'd go out the evenings and pick a mess of it, and carry it home and cook it for supper. that's about all they had to eat, but they did all right. Down in Louisiana, where the alligators grow so mean, lived a girl that I swear to the world made the alligators look. You got your granny. Everybody
1: said it was a shame, cause her mama wasn't working on the chain gang.
2: A mean, vicious, straight razor total woman. Lord have mercy. Hello. Every day
1: before supper time, she'd go down buy the truck patch. And pick her a mess of poke salad And carry it home in a
2: toast salad And he got you pretty.
1: Everybody said it was a shame Cause her mama wasn't working on a chain dance yeah. No! You suck a little
2: fool Daddy was lazy and no count, framed he had a bad back. All her brothers were fit for stealing watermelons out of my truck. That's what I
1: said, Eddie.
2: Get you ready.
1: Everybody said it was a shame, because her mama wasn't working on the chain game. Sock a little solitude know what needs Sock a little solitude
2: Little pope says, No one need me a mess. Suck a little. No one need me a mess. Suck a little.
1: Suck a little.
0: That, of course, was uh, Elvis Presley singing Polk Saladani in Las Vegas in 1970. Now, uh, we are going to do an entire show on Elvis soon, so we'll keep this short-ish. Um, Elvis's style affected generations of people. Um, he's probably best known for the sparkly jumpsuits and the real OTT Las Vegas stuff. But early on in his career, he wore the Cuban collar shirts and wide legged pleated trousers, blouse on style jackets, all of these kind of things. He was one of the first to do and influenced basically every other male um, music and media star around. He did it all first, especially in the 1950s. Later on, he wore lots of flashy stuff. But early on, his his choice of clothing, which was his um, Two-tone shoes, black loafers, short-sleeved shirts, loose-fitting sack suits, skinny or bootlace ties. I mean, he 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 kind of added class to that rockabilly style. Um, very few people since Elvis have done so much without trying. Basically, he just looked fantastic the whole time. He just had a sense of style. And our next 20th century male style icon is Archibald Alexander Leach, who you probably know better as Cary Grant. Uh, Born in 1904, um, he was brought up in a a bit of a troubled family. His mother suffered from mental illness, and uh, quite often when she was taken sick, uh, she would go into a sanitarium, and his father would tell him that she was going away on holiday. Um, eventually he had her committed and it wasn't until uh, Cary Grant was 31 that he realized that uh, she hadn't died like his mum had said um, he was sent away to a grammar school and eventually his dad remarried and basically said he didn't want his son back so um, he was stuck at the, the grammar school he did very good at uh, acrobats and sport and eventually he joined a, uh, a kind of a acrobatic troupe, the Bob Pender Stage Troupe, where he learned to walk on stilts and do tumbling. Um, he was very fit and athletic. And uh, at the age of 16, he travelled with this uh, vaudeville group to the US for a two year tour of the country, which was quite a thing back then. Basically refused to go home, loved it so much and got residency. He toured America with the acrobatic group for a couple of years and uh, developed incredible strength, timing and grace. And uh, was well known for um, his performing ability, as well as being a very elegant and good looking young lad. He hit Hollywood in 1931. That was basically where the, the dream story started. There's been a lot of speculation about where the name Cary Grant came from. But according to witness testimony, um, originally uh, it was suggested that he take the name Carrie Lockwood, a character he enjoyed playing in the Broadway show Nicky. But when he signed to Paramount Studios, he allegedly told producers that uh, he liked the name Carrie but thought Lockwood was too similar to a, another actor's last name. Paramount supplied him with a list of suitable names and he selected Grant because the initial CG had already proved to be lucky for people like uh, Gary Cooper and Clark Gable. He was one of the greatest male stars Hollywood's ever seen. Um, His list of films becomes almost endless as he performed next to starlets such as Catherine Hepburn, Rosalind Russell, Rita Hayworth, Ingrid Bergman, Irene Dunn. And it wasn't long before every woman in America wanted him and every man wanted to be him. He had style, charm, wit, um, and his physical appearance was, was unmatched. He became a real force in Hollywood. By all accounts, he was a a lovely man, both on and off screen. Uh, Many actors said he was the nicest person I'd ever worked with. Alfred Hitchcock said he was the only actor he actually fell in love with in real life. Um, He developed a a kind of boy-next-door elegance that influenced the man in the street. It made wearing a suit every day a cool thing to do. He had a a great awareness of style. Interestingly, he arrived in the US in 1920 on the same ocean liner as Douglas Fairbanks Sr. Um, and even though they didn't travel in the same class, he was able to catch a glimpse here or there of, of the timeless, classic and elegant style of Fairbanks. And it made a huge impression on him. Even in later years, he was able to tell Ralph Lauren all about the intricacies of Fairbanks clothes and the accessories, including the fabric types, the lapel widths, buttonholes. It obviously had a a huge effect on him as a young man. In his own words, he said he favoured the clothes of a well-dressed, sophisticated chap. And he certainly did that. So we thought we'd bring you something a little bit different. This is Cary Grant's uh, only ever 45 single. And it's the B-side. The A-side was a a Christmas lullaby, which, quite frankly, is very, very cheesy. I know it's quite popular, but it's, it's... yeah <laughs> this is the B-side which is called Here's to You this was recorded in 1967 your
2: health my friend and here's to you
1: chin chin my friend and Dean skull too A lot Sante all, all life through and via,
2: and via con Dios. Con Dios God, God go, God, go with, you. with you. Good times, my friend.
1: Shalom, shalom. shalom. Bless your family
2: and bless your home.
1: My friend, here's to you. Born in 1931,
0: James Byron Dean, Jimmy Dean, is our next style icon. Uh, Countless teenagers over the years have had this guy's image as a poster on their wall, including myself. East of Eden, Giant, Rebel Without a Cause, they're all classic rebel, angst riven movies, and uh, they shot him to stardom. He was an interesting character. His first ever television appearance was in a Pepsi-Cola commercial. He quit college halfway through to act full-time. His first real break was playing Cal in the 1953 movie East of Eden. His next movie was playing the character of Jim Stark in Rebel Without a Cause in 1955 alongside the gorgeous Natalie Wood. Um, This film absolutely defines the term teenage angst and has lots of uh, iconic scenes. Here's a clip of James Dean uh, talking about preparing for the role in Rebel Without a Cause.
1: The character that you usually see is um, sporadic nature, he's too fantastic for reality. He does many things that the character shouldn't do, and you have to select and constantly reevaluate your images, as you say, as you, what you envision as the character. Constant simplification, constant gleaning down to the specific point at hand, the line of the story, what the character is trying to do at this moment, constantly trying to find the core. So to speak, that should be an indelible lesson. It should remain also on silos as in your mind, uh, where your faults are, what your problems are, where you constantly fall back on the securities that made you famous or successful, or helped you gain any prestige, rather than to fall back on those securities and tricks as an actor, to go ahead and develop and to attempt and to try.
0: Um, Dean wanted to avoid being typecast as a rebellious teenager and uh, later on took the role of Jeff Rink, a Texas ranch hand who strikes oil and suddenly becomes wealthy and gi- giant. Even though James Dean died at a very young age, there can be few people in the 20th century that have affected uh, style, especially male style, as much as James Dean. Uh, Bob Dylan, David Bowie, Frank Sinatra, they've all all been quoted as saying as that uh, James Dean was the first thing they thought of when anyone said... Uh, the word cool. Ooh, I feel retrogasmic. Our next style icon is one of my personal heroes, and uh, he sold over 140 million records over his lifetime. Had a, a unique style, a unique attitude, and a unique talent. I'm just going to play you a little clip of uh, him talking about his approach to his art.
2: Never play to the gallery. <laughs> I think, but you never learn that, until much later on, I think. But never work for other people in what you do, always... Always remember that the reason that you initially started working was that there was something inside yourself that you f- felt that if you could manifest it in some way, you would understand more about yourself and how you coexist with the rest of society. And I. I think it's terribly dangerous for an artist to fulfill other people's expectations. I think they, produce, they generally produce their worst work when they do that. And if The other thing I would say is that if you feel safe in the area that you're working in, you're not working in the right area. Always go a little further into the water than you feel you're capable of being in. Go a little bit out of your depth, and when you don't feel that your feet are quite touching the bottom, you're just about in the right place to do something exciting. <laughs> And good with
1: weird and giddy. And the spiders were more so ready to play in the hand.
2: But it made it too fun, huh? Became the special man. And then we were Ziggy's band. Now Ziggy really sang. Screwed up eyes and screwed up.
1: I came on so loaded now. A well hung so white hat. Somewhere. us that we were food too The gifts was just Christ with God he was the last with God-given ass now he took it all too far Played guitar
0: So whether it was as uh, the mod David Jones, his original name, whether it was as the otherworldly Ziggy Stardust, the suit-wearing tin machine, tall white duke—you um, name it, he's done it. He recreated male style, and uh, for a lot of people, he's the style icon of the 20th century.
2: I was very, uh, very much a mod in the 60s. You know, it was all the hair and the, the right thread perry t-shirts, and the uh, length of the trouser had to be just so, and all that. I mean, it was—it was all very sort of French which the mods really came... The, mod, the whole mod look in England came out of French fashion and at that time it was really good for guys. French fashion and Italian fashion. Um, but it became like the mod look. So I was much more into that than I was into sort of beetle jackets and stuff. I think you've got to be pretty emphatic and upfront and forward about what you're trying to do and what you're trying to say in rock and roll. It's a people's culture. So I don't think it's too wise to be too clever. I'm going to do a rock and roll tour this year the only statement that I can make visually with clothes that is not fashion is this. This is totally non It's timeless. I feel very comfortable in it doing what I'm doing, writing the music that I'm writing. And, of course, I've always worn this jacket.
0: Bowie was a, a unique character that kept reinventing himself and kept reinventing his style and dragged popular culture along with him. Bowie biographer David Buckley, called Bowie, both a star and an icon. The vast body of work he has produced has created perhaps the biggest cult in popular culture. His influence has been unique in popular culture and he has permeated and altered more lives than any other comparable figure. It's hard to disagree with that.
1: Retrogasmic.
0: So we'd like to say uh, another big thank you to our sponsor for this week's show, My Vintage Existence. Check out their Etsy store. Check them out on Facebook. Uh, they've got some great stuff. If you'd like to sponsor the show, drop us a message. Uh, We've got some good stuff coming up. We've got an Elvis show. There's some other bits and pieces on. Uh, What else do I... Oh, yes. Thank you to Noddy and the crew uh, for putting on another amazing beach shop. An incredible event. We really appreciate being invited along. Um, thank you to everyone that bought our new album. The release party was fantastic. Thank you, thank you. And thank you to Seven Sharp for letting us be the first rockabilly band to play live on primetime TV in New Zealand, which again was an incredible thing. So uh, thank you. Hope everyone has a good week and we'll speak to you all soon. Bye. See you later. Metro.